Good morning, church. It's Valentine's Day today, and in many parts of the world, people are giving gifts and sending notes to, to one another, to people they love in a special way. It may be a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend or just maybe sending something anonymously to someone they admire secretly. It is great to love and to be loved. And today, we are going to talk a little bit about love in this message called Perfect love. But what is love? Love is such a complex thing. Is it an emotion, a feeling? Is it a thought? Is it logical? What is love? Long ago I heard that uh, there was a conference of philosophers who met to discuss the meaning of love and to answer the question, what is love? There was a public gallery and many people came just to observe the discussion. After many hours of talking and not coming to one conclusion, the philosophers asked the gallery if anybody wished to say anything. A, a humble shoemaker stood up. He said, love is like a tight shoe. Only those who wear it know what it feels like. <laughs> well, How's that for a simple yet profound answer? Only those who have loved know what it feels like. More importantly, only those who have been loved know what it feels like. And that is why it is so important to provide a safe, loving home to growing children. They need to know in their formative years what true love is. And as they grow, they will also grow in their ability to love and to be loved in a healthy way. But love remains a complex thing. In English, we have one word for love, which is <laughs> love, of course. And so I can say that I love my wife. And I can say that I love my friends. Oh, I love my dogs. I love oranges in winter. I love God. And of course, I love coffee, all right? Do you see what's happening over here? Did you notice that the same word love can have different applications? And yet, there must be a difference between the love I have for my wife, for God, and for coffee. That is because there are different aspects of love. Long ago, the Greeks sat and faced this question of love. The result is that they realize that love is too complex a thing to use only one word for it. And so they came up with different words for love. In English, Afrikaans, Portuguese, and most languages, we have only one word for love. However, in the Greek language, there are many words for love, all of which would translate as love if you brought them back into English. Let me share with you some of the words which have a bearing on relationships. The first Greek word you're going to look at is the word eros. And this is physical attraction love or romantic love. This is usually the starting point of relationships, isn't it? You see someone, you feel attracted to that person, and the story begins. Most Valentine's Day cards and gifts exchanged today are based on this love or started by this kind of love. Then 
that is the word phileo. This is friendship love, the strong bond that develops between two people who share common values, interests, or activities. Sometimes two people may be attracted to each other by their looks, but once they start talking, they quickly find out they don't have much in common. And so phileo, this kind of love, offers friendship and emotional support. Another word is storge. This is the love between family members, like the love of parents for their children, or the bond between relatives. This love is found by people who have been bonded by chance, not by choice. It is a love or fondness that is present without coercion. The last word I want to refer to today is agape. And this is a love that is unconditional and selfless. It is a love that exists regardless of changing circumstances. Agape can be defined as a love that wants the best for the other. Whereas all the other loves have a me component in them, agape is only concerned with the well-being of the other. You see, eros is what I find attractive. Phileo has to do with whom I like. Storge has to do with my family or my relatives. But agape only has to do with the other, even if it costs me something. Now, the Bible has a complete chapter on love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me read to you a few verses. I'm reading from verse 4 to 8 of 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. Is not provoked, thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now, remember, I said that all those Greek words I, started, I shared with you, all of them, when you translate them back to English, it will be translated as love. So let me ask you, the Greek word used for love in this passage, in this chapter, which one do you think it is? Eros, physical love. Phileo, friendship, love. Storge, familial, love. Or agape, selfless love, which wants the best for the other. Which Greek word would you choose? Well, if you said agape, you chose the right Greek word. Every time the word love appears in this chapter, it is agape that was used in the original. The love described here is the God kind of love, the love that God has for us and which we should have for one another. The Bible says that not only does God love us, but it says that God is love in 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 and 16. And guess which word is used there? Yes, you got it. Agape. God is agape. 
God loves and he is love. Not just any love, agape love. The love that wants the best for the other, the love that wants the best for you. And from his point of view, the best for you and for me is that we should be with him now and forever. In spite of our sinful, broken lives, in spite of us being imperfect, while he is perfect, he wants the best for us. And the best for us is to be with him. And so God gave himself in the person of Jesus Christ to take the punishment for our sin. Follow me as I read from the letter of 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love, agape. And again, in this chapter, every time you see the word love, it is the word agape. Verse 9, in this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world. He sent Jesus to the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, to take the punishment for our sins. You see, Jesus did not give his life for us because we did something to deserve it. No way. When the world was far from God, Jesus gave his life for us. That is love. Remember that Jesus said that there is no greater love than for a man to lay down his life for a friend. And Paul puts it this way in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the, the process of salvation was initiated by God because he wants the best for us. We could never save ourselves for eternity. So God in his love made a plan and he executed that plan for our benefit. Let's continue reading from 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us by this. We know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. You see, no one has seen God the Father. The followers of Jesus in the first century, they saw Him. Jesus appears to people sometimes. Some people have died and they've, they've have a, had a glimpse of Jesus and they've been brought back to life again and, and they tell us about it. But the fact is, no one has seen the Father. But Jesus is God and, and the Holy Spirit is God. And if God is love, then Jesus and Holy Spirit are love. Love can be known only from the actions it prompts. God's love is seen in the gift of his son. And when Jesus ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit was sent to abide in us. Therefore, we have the love of God in us. And so we can love one another if we will let that love that's inside flow through us. Verse 14. 
And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Remember, remember last week's teaching. We have been saved. We have been justified because Jesus died for us. And that is why we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Listen to this, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love costs out fear. <laughs> because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Did you get it? There is no fear in love. When we grasp the reality of God's love, God's perfect love for us, our fear vanishes. Our fear for today, our fear for the future, for eternity, it vanishes because there is no fear in love. As you heard, the title of this message is Perfect Love. I want you to realize that I'm not talking about the love that you and I have. I am not talking about us having perfect love for God and for everybody around us. No, I am talking about God's perfect love for me and for you. That is the perfect love that costs out fear. If you look at our own love, we are going to judge ourselves and we are going to disqualify ourselves. As much as we may try, even with Holy Spirit inside us, so many times we allow the flesh to get in the way, isn't it? Our emotions to get in the way. And we land up loving in a less than perfect way. <laughs> and, and so you need to understand that the love that costs out fear is an understanding of God's love for us. And then, based on His love for us, then we can love others. Knowing that the Holy Spirit is in us. And then we can grow in the process of loving others. Let's continue in verse 19. We love Him because He first loved us. Stop there for a moment. Why do we love God? Because He first loved us. Is that your reason for loving God? Why do you love God? Why do you follow Jesus Christ? Why do you call yourself a Christian? Is it because God loved you first? Or do you love God because you don't want to go to hell? Huh? That kind of love is actually fear. We need to realize that long before we were born, God loved us and wanted us to be with Him. He first loved us. When people were unlovable, God loved us. When people were great sinners, God loved us. When people broke every law and every moral principle in God's creation, God loved us. 
He wanted the best for us. And He made a plan to get us to spend eternity with Him. All we have to do is accept His gift of eternal life and choose to be with Him and love Him back. If we understand a little bit of His love, we will love God and others better. Listen to this, verse 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. <laughs> Again, keep in mind the meaning of love here, agape, wanting the best for the other, wanting the best for your brother. Don't mistake real agape love for fuzzy feelings kind of love, all right? Or do what people want me to do kind of love. No, no, no. Jesus loved his disciples and he loved the people around him, the Pharisees, the Romans. He loved everybody around him. Yet he had some harsh words, some hard things to say to them sometimes. Why? Because he wanted the best for them. And the best for them and for us today still is God's will and God's moral code, God's moral order. And so our agape love for those around us today is no different. If we love God and we love those around us, there will be moments of tenderness and there will be moments of toughness, but all based on the word of God, on the principles of the Bible. There is a misconception in the world today concerning love. The world says that if you don't accept me just as I am, agree with me and allow me to be whoever I want to be, you don't love me and you are being hostile to me. You are judging me. Listen, God loves you just as you are and he accepts you just as you are. But listen, he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He loves me too much to leave me just as I am. And he has been working on me and changing me for years and he is not finished with me yet. And he's certainly not finished with you yet. You and I may say, I was born this way. And we are right. We are all born this way. We are all born sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, of the standards of God. It says in Romans 5.12 that the, through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus, this spread to all men because all have sinned. So yeah, we need some help. Because our natural tendencies will go directly against the will of God most of the time. And so, yes, although God loves us just as we are, when we come to Him, He will not leave us the way we are, as we are. But begin a process of transforming us to become what He created us to be and preparing us to spend eternity with Him. That is what we call sanctification. It is the process of gradually being changed to be more and more like Jesus. Amen? Do you believe and accept that? That is what perfect love does. Before I close, and since it's Valentine's Day, let me quickly address the relationship between a husband and a wife. 
If you're considering marriage or if you are married, listen closely. Three of the Greek words that I shared with you today are vital in a marriage relationship. These are eros, phileo, and agape. Let me explain why. The Bible says the following in the book of Thessalonians, chapter First uh, Thessalonians, chapter five, verse twenty-three. Now, may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible defines man in three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Often the world speaks of man being body and soul, and they tend to use the words soul and spirit interchangeably. We tend to see ourselves as a body, and then we have a soul. We use our bodies to identify us because that is the realm we are used to, the physical realm. And so we see ourselves as a physical being which has a soul or a spirit, which is a non-physical component of who we are. But the Bible defines us differently. We are first a spirit. That is the innermost part of us. It is the creative part of us. It is the seat of our conscience. It is that part in us that believes that we can live forever. That part of humans that drives them to worship something. And that's why mankind worships. If not the God of the Bible, then some other God. If not a God, then something else like money, power, or fame. Some just worship themselves. But mankind will worship something. That is because we are first a spirit. Then it says we have a soul. The soul includes our intellect, our emotions, and our will. You could say it is the thinking, feeling, choosing part of our being. The spirit and the soul of man are inseparable and they never die. The consciousness of yourself will never die. Your body may die, but your self-awareness will never cease to exist. And then the verse says we have a body. You see, the spirit and the soul, they live in a body. Your body is your earth suit. Just like we need a space suit to live out there in space, we need an earth suit to live on earth. If you tear or damage your earth suit, your body, you cannot live in here anymore. And so, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. When your body dies, your soul and your spirit go on living, either in the presence of God, if you have believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, or away from the presence of God, if you have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. So man is a three-part being. Here is how this ties in with the Greek words. Marriage is not just a good idea, it is God's idea. It is a covenant between a man, a woman, and God to form a godly home, to love one another and remain faithful to one another until separated by death, to bring forth and bring up children in the ways of the knowledge of the Lord and to be a light in their community, a source of hope for those who know them. And for a man and a woman to be united as one, they need to love one another in three levels because they are three Part beings. It all starts with eros, the physical attraction. This is good, and it is God-ordained when applied within God's parameters. Eros is romantic love. It is the pleasure of being with each other and goes further than just intimate relationship. 
You have a body and you are attracted to another body. But you cannot build a marriage on looks alone, especially because looks change over time. You need more. You need to be friends. This is where phileo comes in. You need to be able to be friends, to have common interests. You need to share common values, interests, and activities. There are couples who realize they do not have too much in common. But because they are so attracted physically by each other, they think that things will sort themselves out after marriage. <laughs> Listen, they don't. It gets worse and it lands up in a painful divorce or in a prolonged unhappy relationship. There has to be phileo, friendship love between a man and a woman if they want a good marriage. You have a soul and you are attracted to another soul. Now you can have an okay marriage with Eros and Phileo, but if you want a fulfilled marriage like God designed you to have, then you need agape love. You need selfless love. Eros is, I love you because I like what I see. Phileo is, I love you because I like how I feel when I'm around you. Both have an element of self-serving in them. But agape love says, I love you and I want the best for you. It is selfless love. Now, some people like doing things for others. You hear of philanthropists who do good and give away money and, and goods. But, but many of them are doing it out of a sense of duty or guilt or to get to gain religious favor with a higher power, and that is not agape. As I have shared with you, agape is not just a kind of love. Agape is a person. God is agape. That makes agape love a spiritual love. And so it is very important that both husband and wife have the same spiritual foundation in Jesus Christ and have Holy Spirit living in them. The Holy Spirit is the source of agape in their hearts. What happens when both of you are believers is that your spirit is attracted to another spirit of the same kind. And so you have a spirit, soul, and body attraction and compatibility. And that is why friendship should always precede romance. Don't date someone that you have not yet become friends with. I know this sounds crazy to some people. We live in a world today where boy meets girl today and tomorrow they're in a relationship. That is dangerous. First, become friends. As friends, you will find out if phileo is there. You will find out that the person's spiritual beliefs and find out if agape is there. Eros was probably there from the beginning and that is why you were attracted to each other and became friends. But Eros must not be the defining point of the relationship. It is important, but not ultimate. When those three loves line up, when you see that you can love spirit, soul, and body, then you have a good chance of having a great marriage. Remember, however, that great marriages don't just happen. They are built. Listen, marriages are not made in heaven. They are made here on earth and require effort from both husband and wife as they apply godly principles in their relationship. Even a godly husband and a godly wife will encounter difficulties in their marriage, 
but because they acknowledge God in their marriage, they can go together before Him in prayer and receive direction from Him. Because they have agape loving them, they seek the best for the other and will do what it takes for their marriage and home to succeed. Because they know the love of God, which is perfect, they will not fear. They may be very much aware of their imperfections, but because they know the love of God, they will love one another, forgive one another, and seek the best for their lives together. So, enjoy your Valentine's Day. Please take time to ponder on the principles I've shared today, and I hope they will help you to make life-giving decisions. Amen? We are going to close the service by having communion together. So get your bread and your juice ready, and let's share in communion. As we do, I want you to remember that it was perfect love that held Jesus to the cross. He said in John 15, 13, Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. He also said in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That is perfect love. So let us partake of the bread and of the juice and celebrate God's perfect love for us today. Let's start with the bread. Father, thank you for the bread, fruit of the ground. And as we remember your broken body, we see right there, Lord, a picture of perfect love for us. Thank you for taking upon yourself our sickness, our disease. And as you partake today, Lord, I pray that your perfect love will be flowing out to everyone watching, everyone listening, everyone participating in this communion service. I pray, Father, against sickness and disease. I pray, Father, that lives will be touched. I pray for healings, Father God, and for restoration in every area of the people's lives as we come before you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. Amen. So, take and eat and be blessed as you do. The juice reminds us of the blood of Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your blood. Pour it out so that none of our sins would be remembered for eternity. Thank you for saving us, justifying us that today as we partake of this cup, we can stand before God the Father knowing that we are justified. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you that you've forgiven us all of our sins. Thank you that it's told today, Father, as we err, as we sin, thank you for forgiving us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take and drink and be blessed as you partake of the cup of blessing. Amen, amen, amen. Well, it's Valentine's Day, so I just pray a special blessing upon all the couples, married couples, couples, you know, thinking of getting married. I pray a special blessing for you that God will enable you to love each other, spirit, soul, and body, and enjoy 
God's love, God's covenant in your lives. Amen. And for everybody, have a wonderful Sunday. Enjoy the love of God. Allow His perfect love to flow through you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And we'll see you next Sunday again. Amen.